welcome to the Fantasy Rewind Podcast. I'm your co-host, Dylan Stoll, and as always, I'm joined by my friend, Mike. Hey! So today, we're sticking with Wheel of Time, Season 2, going with Episode 2, titled... Strangers and Friends. Strangers and Friends. Alright, so before we get in and talk about this, let's give out the typical reminders, where if you want to get at us on the socials, on Instagram, we are at Fantasy Rewind Pod. On X, we are on, <laughs> we are at Fantasy Rewind, and then if you want to send us an email, that is fantasyrewindpod at gmail.com. Hit us with any fantasy recommendations, yep. any advice, any questions, whatever you guys want, we're here to chat. All right, without any farther delay, let's dive into this rewind. Fantasy Rewind. All right, Dylan, so... Episode two here, we had a lot more rand. A lot more rand. Almost all rand. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of rand. And a new friend with him that we got to see briefly, which mm-hmm. I think warrants maybe some discussion farther on here. But overall, this episode, episode two, what was your kind of big feeling towards it? My overall feeling, my first impression, so I've watched this episode twice, but my first impression of this episode was, oh my god, what are they doing <laughs> to Rand? <laughs> and my, after I watched it another time, I still have those feelings pretty hardcore. Um, but I am a little bit more enjoying it the second time through. Um, but it definitely, it changes quite a bit of things here. But again, Rand's going down the path he's going down, but... So many changes I want to talk about. What were your initial thoughts, Mike? So, uh, speculation, like, I'm just being very speculative. I think I have finally gotten to a point where I am cutting the book out, and I'm not holding it to the book anymore. We talked in the beginning of, in season one, about how it feels like towards the end they were just like, this is based on the Wheel of Time. This is not like a Wheel of Time adaptation. And uh, I just am very much resigned myself to the fact that this will not be the Wheel of Time story that I want told, which is the books. And I'm okay with that, at just coming to peace with it. And seeing some of the changes they've made, I just start thinking myself through like, okay, if they're cutting stuff out, how important was this? Why would they do this specific thing? And we, and I, I do want to have those conversations as we get into some of these character stories. So I actually just am coming off of watching the Brandon Sanderson, uh, Joe Abercrombie interview that Daniel Green was having on his channel. And one of the questions that Daniel asked them was about what's your worry with adaptations of your work? And Joe Abercrombie's answer was actually really good. And I think where where I want to kind of like take this here. Uh, Joe Abercrombie's answer was they can change the symbols on the shield. They can change the armor. They can change some of the story if they need to. That's all fine with me. What I don't want to see them do is change who these characters are and change the tone of what Mm. you're being, what you're of the story, change of the story in like that perspective. So as long as like the characters stay true to who they are, Joe Abercrombie was fine with whatever changes needed to be made. And so talking about that and applying it to wheel of time season two here, where we're at right now for this episode in particular, 
for me, it seemed to change a lot of who Rand is as a character. And so much so that I was I was really taken aback. Especially about a scene we'll get to um, when we talk about this in a little well, bit later. Let's let's just dive in and let's just do Rand's storyline here. So when we come in at the beginning of this episode, we see Rand and he's kind of he's with a woman in this hotel who is Celine. If you pause the screen there, and we'll talk more about her later on and her book significance mm-hmm. with a we'll give a spoiler warning. He's in Kyrie. Yes. Which at first I was oh I was like okay I was down because with there is a. There is a plot line where he gets the Kyrian, um, he finds Tom, Merlin, and, uh, you know, I think maybe Min? I don't I don't remember who else was there, but he was there with Loyal and um, the Sniffer, who is no longer present, obviously, and Loyal is with Perrin, so they've kind of nixed that because they've, they're making it appear that he's dead. Fine. Dandy. Uh, he's kind of going about life. Uh, he is working at this we'll say mental hospital yeah. and he is helping people out throughout the course of the story. He, there's another worker there who is not very nice to the patients. Uh, in fact, tries to agitate them on purpose. Now it seems like Rand is learning the sword kind of sort of sword techniques from one of the patients there who was a blade master, yes. which I thought was interesting. And I was like, Oh, that's a cool way to get him to sort of continue to learn that, you know, cause maybe when they go out for walks, the guy shows him with, the stick and he practices or whatever it happens to so be. So I want to pause it there really quick. Yeah, you can pause me Because there. I think that since we're not getting Land teaching Rand how to use the sword, that this is probably the best way they could have done it with having him learning the sword forms from someone else who is a blade master. And something yeah. that is said in this scene here is the older gentleman says, you know, once a blade master, always a blade master basically saying just because I'm older and in this mental institution don't think I can't kick your butt <laughs> and so I'm I'm liking that attitude there um I'm thinking mm-hmm. that with him learning the forms from this gentleman here he may practice with a stick or whatever sometimes but he I'm not sure if you heard Rand whispering to the older gentleman I think his name was like Elmore or something like that um that if I sneak my sword in again, will you teach me more forms? So it seems like Rand has been bringing his sword in and getting trained by this guy for who knows how long. But if we use the gap in the time um, with the with the girls at the White Tower as any indication, it's been five or six, six months. months. So I'm not yeah. sure how long Rand has been training with this guy, but maybe up to half a year training with him. And so... I mean, I think that is a great way to sort of sneak that in or get that part going. And um, later on in the episode, he sort of plots and beats up the or the other orderly who is abusing the patients. And honestly, this is the scene I had the most problem with in this episode was Rand basically beating the tar out Stalking of another guy. guy here for Mm -hmm. what appeared to be a personal grudge no reason type of attack he was waiting for this guy to like drunkenly walk off in the shadows by himself and then rand attacked him and just was pummeling him over and over again and i was i was like that's not rand rand would never do that what is happening right now on the screen so i want to sort of kind of 
I, I agree with you that th- him doing that doesn't make sense. I do want to sort of bring in that there's might be a stipulation here of Celine's influence, some of her fingerprints on this. Now, the power definitely brought him to this in some senses, and he's also had visions of himself killing his so, friends. So, yeah, I, we didn't even talk about that, and I think that is... And so cool. I think what he, he is what he's doing because you find out that the person he's trying to get into and take this other order of the shop to see yeah. is Loghain. Yeah. And I, I was like, this is great because Loghain's going to be able to instruct him on how to use the power. And Rand is probably, that is his motivation there is I need someone to teach me. 100%. If I don't, I'm going to be killing my friends. I'm going to be killing all these people. And I need some kind of help with this because you do see too, like when he attacks this orderly, he was not intending to near, bring him to near death. He was just trying to, like, you know, probably give him what's his after months of this guy, t- t- you know, being abusive to some of the other patients. But the power sort of came up in him and he belted it off on him. And then when he goes back to the hotel, you have Celine there almost like not encouraging it, but sort of like it, it wasn't like a good interaction. Um, you know, she was like, oh yeah, you, you're angry. It's okay to be angry with me. And like, you know, he chokes her for a moment and like, and obviously they, they have sex afterwards, but you don't know how much of a hold she has on him. Now, spoiler here, because I do want to talk about Celine before we transition to anyone else. Well, before we talk about Celine, I want to talk about that dream sequence that you mentioned there because Lan has this dream basically where he's walking around covered in blood and he's seeing the dead bodies of Perrin, of Egwene, of Matt, of his friends. And this, to me, is basically a throwback to that opening scene of Eye of the World where you have Luce Theron Telamon standing around, like, insane as all get out, having just murdered his entire family with a Shamael bringing him back to make him realize what he's done. And so to me, like, it seemed like this scene was a callback to that or an allusion to that, which I really enjoyed, actually. I thought that was done phenomenally well. Um, Also, just want to throw it in here before we move on, and I forget to talk about it, but when Rand first goes and talks with the older Blademaster guy... The Blade Master is afraid because he thinks that Rand is an Aielman. And Mm -hmm. to me, I thought this was great. Again, throwback to the books. This happens a lot in the books where before Rand truly learns who he is. And I'm not going to get into exactly all of that yet. But so I thought that was a great callback as well. However, knowing what we know they're going to be doing with the Aiel it makes zero freaking sense because <laughs> of what they're going to be doing with them. Um, but a nice book call out none, nonetheless. All right, go ahead and continue, Mike. Sorry. Okay. So yeah, spoiler here on Celine, just for like maybe the next minute or so. Obviously we know that Celine is in the books land fear. Yes. Now I want to say one thing here that I enjoyed. I like that. They did not have us go through the whole, her, him meeting her on the road, her acting like this damsel in yeah, distress. Agreed. Like, this is much more, I think, what she would have done. Like, let me, him be kind of in my power. Because she's the in She's the landlord. Yeah. Yep. And he is in my power. And, um, 
you know, she's kind of in control. He makes a joke and, about that even. He's like, oh, <laughs> being in debt to you, I can't, those are some prices I can't afford to pay. And he doesn't even yeah. realize how right he is. And I love how they have her sort of, like, you get that, like, for those of us who know that she is Lanfear and that she's one of the Forsaken and all this, like, some of her lines were like, oh, yeah. This yeah. Is, if you this know, is definitely you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I really like how they did that. I also, um, what I wanted to say here is I like that they nixed out the whole him going through a portal and that time skip, I think they were able to be like all this stuff that's extra, that's not really necessary. Cause honestly, the whole portal thing where they go through, it was there, it's unnecessary. It's time consuming. It's just like, yes, it's nice world building and stuff like that. But like in terms of the show, we don't really need it. Mm-hmm. Now, I do wonder, too, if the dream may be brought on by her a little bit in terms of pushing, because she always was, like, pushing him to understand his power and his potential. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I'm saying, like, it wouldn't surprise me if we come to find out that she was more of, you know, manipulating him a bit more than we've seen. So talking about Celine here really quick, um, Mm -hmm. this is a big departure from the books as well. Um, with yeah. Rand actually getting with Celine as far as having some kind of a relationship with her, whether Correct. it's sexual or anything like that, he that never actually happened. Like he was like a little bit turned on by her in the books, like interested but never really went there. And to me, just like knowing what we know about Lanfear, about who she is, how possessive she is, when she asks him who were you thinking about when we're making love? And he's like someone I wish I could forget. Lanfear would tear him apart if he said something like that to her. And like, just like, again, thinking about how possessive she can, she is in the books. That seems to be toned down a little bit for what we're seeing here. But it all could be part of her game. Could all be part of her game. Cause like, it could be like, Later on, like when she reveals, like I'm gonna freaking kill Egwene. <laughs> yeah, right. You're thinking about someone else. Is it her? Is it her? Is it her? Like, oh my yeah. gosh. I think it's gonna set up nicely more that like animosity from her towards the female characters we have, yeah, like very Moraine, true. all of them. And I, I do want to say this about this episode, and we're we're done. I think talking with about yeah. Celine. I think they did a really nice job setting up motivations for characters in some ways that aren't necessarily in the books, but it makes sense. So let's, if you're good, let's go ahead and transition over to Leandrin and Nynaeve and Egwene and our princess. Elaine. Yeah, sure. I'm cool with that. Let's do it. Okay. So in this episode here, we have Elaine's introduced. Um, Egwene meets her. They kind of hit it off. And I like how they did it because like, Honestly, in the books, they sort of just become best friends immediately. And they kind of do that here. But there is that class awkwardness, which should be expected. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if we necessarily got that so much in the books. So I thought that was kind of a nice touch. Like, you know, Elaine coming in, like all her boxes of things, walking into Egwene's room. Oh, you just moved in too. And no, I've been here. I just don't have anything because I have no money. Yeah. And she like realizes and she's just like, oh, yeah. Oh, and like you were my subject, just like mm, yeah, you would act like that though. You would act like that. You wouldn't have this understanding necessarily of like oh, 
we're equals. Like you come from a place where you are like a princess and like you're taught to rule over all these people. This makes a bit more sense in my mind uh, in terms of your first meeting at least. See, I, I didn't like that they had Elaine bringing in all the boxes. I thought that was out of character for her because I... As she alludes to later on in this episode, she's been coming to Tarvalin for for the summer for, like, however long. She goes there yeah. often. She knows she would never be allowed to bring in her royal decorations and to, like, live it up as a novice while everyone else was, like, suffering and doing chores. And I think that expectation just was would have never been there. Like, she was not that naive in the books where she might have had that classic like disconnect between the rich and the poor, but mm-hmm. she knew going in, yeah, I'm going to be a novice just like everyone else, and that this is going to be like difficult. It's not going to be a vacation of me sitting around on my pampered pillows. Yeah, that's a good point to bring up. I, I mean, the real reason they did it, we know, is because then she well sets up, up a to great it. scene. Yeah. Yes, it shows that she is willing to do anything for her friends yeah. uh, and not blame other people. Because it sounds like her Aes Sedai from her um, mother's camp, which would, would have been Elida, but I don't know what I don't know if she named her she the Aes Sedai she came with. But we did see her briefly. Um, but uh, she takes the fall for allowing those people to come in and stuff. And so she's going to be getting lashings and whatnot. So it does show that her character a bit and so that was a great moment for her yeah that was a good scene now i do while we're here i want to take a minute to talk about shiriam because she sort of she's the one giving that punishment which i liked that scene yep, for shiriam too for sure. because i was like that's shiriam yeah there was other scenes with shiriam in this episode with her and alana and i just didn't i i, I agree with you like she is not giving off the like high no one's going to talk back to me type thing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it just, she's, yeah, that character kind of got watered down a bit. Really got watered down. And I think you're talking about the scene where Shiryam meets with Alana and Alana's two warders to talk about Nynaeve yeah. taking the accepted test. And right. I think like, first of all, Shiryam having that discussion with Alana makes total sense. I think they were both sitters, if I remember correctly. Um, yes, because they do talk about both being in the hall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so that makes total sense. But Shiriam listening to the warders, okay, you know, I could get that if they were there in the room. But still, like, she did not, like, command it. She did not have that, Mm-mm. I'm in charge of these novices. They are my responsibility. As mistress of novices, that is her primary directive. She did not have that air of um, control around her that I would have expected. Correct, and Alana almost reminds her of her job. Right, there. right. Now, yeah, that and I, the, how the warders were talking to her too. There wasn't much deference. No deference and I, at all. I will say too, there was a bit more deference in this episode from Elaine and Egwene. Yes, than ever from Nynaeve. Yep. Which I mean, that makes sense because Nynaeve, I feel like, yeah. never gave as much uh deference to the Aes Sedai and always had her back stiff whenever she would talk to them but she was still respectful Correct. yes and i will say Egwene did like when she was you know spilling some tea over mm-hmm. uh, apparently elaine's fascination with creating things yeah uh and you know exactly <laughs> what that's hinting towards for later on but 
Right now, it's yeah. hinting towards her speciality to create something out of nothing. And in this case, yeah. it's alcoholic beverages. <laughs> yes, which is which is fine. I Whatever. thought that was funny. I didn't anyway, mind that. I did. Yeah, I didn't either. It 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 makes some of what happens later on in the books make more sense because that trait's kind of yes. already being instilled. Yeah. So, which is fine. Um, <laughs> over bubbly. Yeah. But uh, Gwen basically says like Nynaeve needs to stop. She is just being rude and just I can't handle it and. So we do get like that, you know, Egwene's acknowledging that that's not how she should act. And we can also understand because of how the Aes Sedai talk about Nynaeve that she is special because of how powerful she is. And so they're not going to get rid of her or anything else. But and I've already talked a little bit about and I will just repeat it here. The reason they're not sitting there doling out punishments in the can on the camera is because one, you don't want to show people getting whipped. That is not going to be good, even if it's with a switch, whatever. You know, you could show them doing more chores and whatnot, I guess, but you run the risk of having some backlash towards that in terms of, like, the public eye. So there are things that happen later on where I don't see how they're going to be able to avoid uh, physical punishments like that. Um, But we'll see if and when they get there, how they handle it. I mean, yeah. We will. Now, with this story, too, we have Nynaeve's whole adventure. She is, at the end of this episode, getting tested for accepted. She's going to be going through the arches. But There's a lot that leads up to that. Yes, there is. Now, she sort of almost creates a bond with Leandrin mm-hmm. in this episode. Um, you know, after Leandrin's conversation with her, talk with her as they, you know, shoot the power at each other. And then um, she seems to almost, like, create a bond. Like... There seems to be, like, a budding friendship of sorts. Well, so I think that's because Nynaeve was unable to channel a drop of the power since she's been there. And then one afternoon with Leandrin, or not even an afternoon, a couple minutes with Leandrin, and she's already able to access her power. So she sees the value that Leandrin can have in helping her achieve her potential. And Leandra says there's not, it's not just all, just this way. Like, anger is the way you're going to do it. Yeah. And so she opens up that pathway for her, which in the books, Nynaeve kind of figures out on her own. Yeah, true. So, but uh, the reason I think they do this is because later in the episode, well, after Leandrin also takes her to see a healing and talks about the different Ajas, which I thought was really nice Mm -hmm. world building, sort of sprinkling that in, we get um, Leandrin taking this powder at at the hospital, which is apparently used to in high doses, kill a patient or can kill a yeah. patient. And uh, she takes it, and I think it's they do it to give you the idea that maybe, oh, maybe she's going to poison Matt because after that, she's feeding Matt like honey cakes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and he didn't die, though. So, you know. <laughs> spoiler. I'm just kidding. <laughs> spoiler. Yeah, no, it wasn't much of a spoiler. But what we do find out later in the episode when Nynaeve is going to talk to Leandrin and Leandrin's leaving the tower through some hidden passages and Nynaeve followers are out all the way to I, everyone's again going to be thinking, oh, she's going to find Matt. No, instead we find that Leandrin is taking care of her son mm-hmm. who is very old and dying. And she gives him the powder that she had taken and kills him but she doesn't kill him unbeknownst to her it is what she doesn't kill him 
She doesn't kill him. No, she doesn't kill her son. She's oh, trying to. She... She's trying to ease his pain. So they were talking about at the healing there that that mm. red powder in very small doses can be used to reduce the amount of pain that a patient feels as the healing is done to them. So Leandrin took some of the powder and used it to make like almost like a tea to give her son to try and ease some of the pain he was feeling because he's bedridden. He is old, like you said. And so I'm betting like he's in, he's in constant pain. Mm -hmm. But then she gets really mad at Nynaeve one for following her obviously and seeing this, but maybe you can talk a bit more because I was a little confused at why she got so angry when Nynaeve was talking. Yeah. So, um, just a little bit about this entire section in general here. I could have sworn that Nynaeve saw Moraine do healing. So I'm pretty sure she should have been able to see and understand the power can be used for healing. So, I mean, but it was nice to kind of reintroduce that for people who might not have been as familiar um, with the, what one power can do and kind of describe the Ajas a little bit, even if it was like begrudging from Leandrin. Um, but talking about well, oh, sorry, talking about what Leandrin's trying to do here is Leandrin knows that Nynaeve is the most powerful Aes Sedai that the patterns produced in 10,000 years or however long it's been. So she is doing everything she can do to try to get Nynaeve to join the Reds and mm-hmm. trying to say, you know, you like healing people, you are a wisdom. Yellows, yeah, they can heal and save one life. What we do is we save hundreds of lives or more over the course by by keeping these men who can channel at bay. So, but my understanding, getting to your question there, Mike, about why Leandrin was so upset with Nynaeve and seeing her is because she's a red with a male son who she is trying to care for still. And that is just flies in the face of almost everything that you would expect for a red sister, let alone one who is, like, as powerful as Leandrin is. And so for Nynaeve finding out Leandrin's secret, she doesn't give a rat's tail about why Nynaeve is there. She's just angry that she's been found out, that she's seeing Leandrin with this shield down, caring for another person. Whereas she likes to present this hard-nosed face to the world. So she's mad at Nynaeve for finding out her secret and just wants her to get out of her face. And we see that even later on when she's like, if I could take this back, I would. But wheels have already been set in motion when Nynaeve's about to be led to her acceptance test. Um, but before I we go any farther here, like one of the things I didn't quite understand was why Leandrin has this as like such a big secret that she wouldn't even allow any other trusted Aes Sedai to heal her son rather than have to use like these pain medications on him because like we all know that if he went through healing or maybe he was I don't know I answered my own question maybe he's not strong enough to go through healing yeah well and too I guess it's it Nynaeve had also said that the pain had passed beyond um what could be used like what yeah could help Nynaeve said the and pain's so, in his heart now yeah and so like there's nothing you can do and I, I mean honestly I think the reason they did this one is to make Leandrin's character a little more likable and yeah uh, humanize her some vulnerability. which is fine 
the other thing is too is it sets up animosity between Leandrin and Nynaeve. Yeah. Well, at least toward Leandrin towards Nynaeve because we needed that for what's going to be coming down the road. Yeah. But what I also don't because, get though is why would Leandrin go to her secret son to take care of him when she told Nynaeve to come and see her? You know. Bad writing. Hot. <laughs> So, oh, that's okay. You um, said it on me, but I don't necessarily disagree. We got, uh, yeah. if you're good on that We're part, good. we got one more bit here with the tower, and that is Matt. Matt is finally through the wall, and who does he find on the other side but Min. Gotta love that. I do like it. Mm-hmm. I like the combination there. I think it's going to be great. I was, honestly, until the end, I thought it might have been Loghain, and that would have been kind of a fun pairing as well. Yeah, yeah. But Min, may, Min and Matt make a lot of sense. Uh, I gotta say, I really like Matt. I like his. New he's Matt got his great. humor back. He's he's <laughs> he's he's bringing it. You know, yes. I I think he's going to be really good. I can't wait till he's out of the street clothes and into like some better clothing, something accessible and or something better than what he's wearing. Yes, yeah, not rags. Uh, yeah, not rags. But uh, his character is great. Really love the humor. Everything. Min, really well done as well, in my opinion. Uh, I don't mind that they're not doing just images around. They're kind of showing scenes. I think that's fine. Whatever. They're kind of making all of the sort of future telling or reading of things sort of just like these kind of ghostly images. So it makes it a little easier for the audience to understand. Now, I might be wrong, but in season one, didn't Min say she saw symbols or tell Rand she saw different symbols around him? I don't know. Maybe. I don't remember. So I'm wondering if it'll be like shifting between visions and symbols or, or whatever. I don't know. But we do know that she saw Matt stab Rand with the Shatter Logoth with dagger. With the Shatter Logoth dagger. Which is really interesting because Min's visions are always true. In the books. And so, in the books. And so, don't know how that's going to play out. Yeah, so I mean, the only thing we didn't mention was when Nynaeve went down to go to her accepted test. And so, that I thought that was interesting, you know, the whole like face the fears type of thing like all like the chance and ritualistic portion of it was all done and i think that was cool because again it's just it's showing how like in the books Nynaeve was raised to accept it fairly quickly after getting mm-hmm. there and so she's right on that path to do it um but again going back to matt i thought he was fantastic loved what he brought to the screen there and i'm excited to see more of this version of matt coffin me too me too now we have one last storyline we need to. Well, no, we got two. Oh gosh, <laughs> two storylines. Let's do Moraine and Lance because that one's pretty quick. That one's as pretty well. quick. They're still acting like children. Uh, yeah, even though we finally get the story of how they met, which I love. That, that was great. That was fun that they loved that it. part. Uh, and then Moraine's immediately like, "I'm releasing my bonds from me to Alana. Like you're going to go with Alana back to the tower." I feel like they're pushing. Him becoming um, spoiler here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I feel the seconds. same way though. I p- feel like they're pushing Land to be Nynaeve's warder way like, sooner, super ahead of time, way sooner. And honestly, that's f- fine. Whatever. So yeah, this this is one hundred percent what's happening, and I think Nynaeve doesn't know it yet, obviously. And but Moraine knows this that he has a special connection with Nynaeve, and in the books. She that does eventually happen, but it takes a while to build up and get there. And Lan does pass to an intermediary in the meantime. And it is and it is Alana. It's is it Alana? 
I thought it was Alana. Maybe it is Alana. I thought it, it was, was another a, sister. It was a green sister. Oh. But yeah, anyway. It was a green. This, this, it was a green. I know that much for sure. But I think that's exactly what's happening. I just wish that they wouldn't make Moraine and Lan act like such children. Um, but I think that there was a interesting little uh, little hint at something that where Moraine was like, "Don't make don't make Alana forcefully take your bond," and where it was like, "Okay, so that that's kind of laying some seeds a little bit for yeah. things that could happen later on." It's true. It could. Um, also, now, I did like her interaction with Varen. That's who and I wanted to bring up. Moraine. Yes. Um, you know, Varen's like, I know that one of the boys is the Dragon Reborn, and like Moraine's like, I'm about to pull out this dagger and kill you. Yeah. And she's like, that's close enough. <laughs> uh, but she like goes through and she Varen's name dropping the different prophecies yes, and everything. Loved else. that part. Loved it. I think Varen's been killing. I mean, it. honestly, what, uh, Varen's my favorite character in season two so far. She's been great. Loved it. Her and Matt, honestly. Yeah, her and Matt have been great. Um, but yeah, Varen especially I've been really impressed with because I did not have as high expectations for her. But she's killing it. She's doing great. Yeah, that's kind of it for that storyline for right now. At the end of the episode, Moraine sort of rides off in the night. Yeah. And leaving Matt to be go with Alana. and Leaving Lan to go with Alana. Yeah, leaving Lan to go with Alana. We don't know about Varen or... Adalis, Adelius, I think they really. go with Moraine. Adelius, they go to the probably go with Moraine, or they yeah. Maybe, no, wait, hold on. Varen said she was going to go to the tower too to get yeah, like. So Moraine yeah. isn't going to the tower. Yes. Yeah. A little confusing at the end there, but still. Yeah. <laughs> Last but anyway, not least, we Perrin. Now, so this one I did like. I like that they stopped in this small town. Um, we see the. F- the fade kind of through Baron's like wolf vision, the fade comes in and kills all these people. And then before they leave, the fade is like up on a door, like, you know, crucified. Yeah, pretty much. For lack of a better term. That's exactly what it and, is though. <laughs> uh, yeah. And we, we know in the books who does it. Yes. And so, uh, I'm going to kind of hold on to that just for a little bit, but cause I'm interested to see how it sort of shakes out. Yeah, um, uh, we see more of Perrin's wolf power at play, and yes. where he's like, oh, I'm sorry to disturb you, I thought you were, and then it turns out the family he was seeing was all ghosty vi- visions that were all killed by Pot and Fane, the, his, his rabble, and the Fade there, but I thought that it was interesting how, how that worked out, because in the books... Uh, this is kind of like where we see some of the example of Rand's madness a little bit kind of coming in, if I remember correctly, where he's walks into like this house full of flies, pretty much. Um, but Perrin, using his wolf powers, uh, was interesting again. Elias is like, oh, see, it's, it, you're letting reality and visions cross. You gotta, you gotta control it a little bit more. Basically, Elias telling yeah. Perrin... I know what's up with you. I know what you're going through. And Perrin's yeah. like, leave me alone. Get out of my bed. Classic Perrin. Yes. Yeah. Fighting the wolf. Fighting the wolf for eight seasons. <laughs> or how long is he going to do it? Well, hopefully it's just like three episodes. Yeah. <laughs> um, because, you know, uh, he is fighting it. In the books, he doesn't acknowledge it until probably like the last book where he's finally like, <laughs> I am the wolf. Uh no, no. But we have some I, interesting friends show up at the end yes. of this episode. So 
they stop into town um, that night in the middle of the night. They're attacked, dragged out. I thought it was very interesting, um, kind of that fighting. The Shinarans really show up. They really right? do. I'm like, yeah. Whoo, yeah. They were fighting. I loved the fighting scene there. The choreography, kind of. Mm. It all looked really With, cool. We know when Inktar look looks so good. Badass. Yeah. Even loyal so too. Oh, I know. I was like, wait, how'd they get ropes? My thing with that, though, is, like, how'd they get ropes around him? Did they just tie around him when he was sleeping? Like, you know? Because they had, like, ropes tied to him from four different angles. And yeah. I was like, also, what was their goal here? <laughs> just, like, hold him and then beat him up until he knocked out? Like, they've obviously, I don't know. I would have almost liked to have seen some kind of recognition or some kind of conversation. Because we know in the Sean Chan homeland, at least, mm-hmm. in the books, they do have Ogier and they are uh, Ogier warriors. warriors for- yeah. But um, anyway, this is the Sean Chan. And we find this out when they have some of the Suldon and the Dumani show up and blast the Shinarans away because the warriors can't handle them, mm. which was kind of neat. And yeah, that, we have at the end uh, Ishamael and, and Suroth. So, I like that they had everyone sort of bow just from a flick of her finger. Like that was... That's perfect, though, because that's how that Sean is. Chan royalty, that's how they would do it. Yes. Now, no accent. No accent at all, and that's fine. Um, that is fine. I think that it would have been would have been strange if they tried to do it. And like you, we had talked about earlier, how could they come up with a Sean Chan accent without offending somebody badly? <laughs> so just yeah, no accent. Culture, okay. Uh, yeah, better better off that way. So I'm excited to get into the next episode and uh, see what happens. Uh, as I said, like it, I think they did some things good where they were setting up some of the like. Leandrin's motivation for animosity, you know, when they have Matt's sort of relationship with Min, kind of, they're building that in. I like that. Mm-hmm. And Min, the vision from Min's going to make things weird. She's going to want to hang around him. Yeah. Because obviously see that vision. Through. Yeah. See it through or try to stop yeah. it. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see how that work, works out and what's not being, you know, that's probably going to happen, but the context is going to change. Yeah, I'm almost curious, like, if what we're seeing is going to happen at Falma. And, like, yep. Matt has to stop Rand from destroying the city or something like that, so he stabs him. Yeah, yeah, that would be interesting. Um, Before we get out of here, what were your impressions of Suroth and the Sean Chan in general? I mean, it was fine. The outfits weren't quite what I was expecting, but... Honestly, it almost looked like sci-fi soldiers for a minute. It like, really did. Yeah. Space. I was like, oh, uh, wizard head is... people? And they're supposed to be like insect head helmets and stuff. But like, yeah. I thought that Suroth herself looked really oh, cool. Looked great. She looked really cool. I thought, yeah. Her on the whole pedestal thing, I was like, that's perfect. Yeah. Um, I am... And Shamael being there yes. with what we know about Suroth makes sense. Yeah. I mean, what we know about Shamael as well, just like. Yeah. Trying to, like, wheedle his way where he can. Um, yeah. But I'm going to be very interested to see how the whole slave thing is addressed with the Sean Chan, because that yeah. is a problematic topic. <laughs> and seeing how it's represented here is going to be very interesting. <laughs> I think if we're just going ahead, I think they will do it like the Damani, um, you know, beg to be there in, in those, in that gear protects them and keeps them safe. And then towards the end of the series or whatever, maybe there's this like, 
oh no, we've like really been imprisoning him, and how terrible is this? I don't know. Maybe you know there will be yeah. some sort of a awake, cultural awakening to that. Maybe. Well, we'll see. I mean, the Prince of the Ravens will see to that. All right. Well, with that being said, I think we're good to go. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So this is gonna be two nerds signing off. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you.